Ushin O'Malley, welcome to the podcast. Evan, what's the crack? A long time coming. That's it. I was, uh, this is probably going to be the first ever conversation that's actually serious talking, <laughs> if anyone doesn't know. I probably meet this fellow whenever I'm back home a couple of times a week and there is nothing but shite talked basically every single time that we meet. So it's going to be grand to have a bit of a, a civil conversation. <laughs> yeah, if we can call it that. Yeah, it's 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 abuse or it's just shite talk, either or. That's it, that's it. So Oshin, right, for anyone that doesn't actually know you, who is Oshin? Uh, I'm Oshin. I'm 31 and I'm a business owner from the west of Ireland in Galway. Uh, I run a metabolic testing company. So a little bit different compared to any other kind of coaching program that's out there. I'm 15 years in the industry. So kind of started from, started from when I was 16, working in gyms as a fitness instructor, gradually worked my way up into the personal training world, did a degree in UL, wasn't very, very good in school. Uh, managed to get a master's out off the back of it as well in sports nutrition and then started EMP company I currently have two years ago and we work a lot around kind of getting people from where they currently are if they might have had a plateau to kind of the next level in their fitness journey so that could be around performance could be around nutrition or it could just be around getting into better shape overall you said there just in regards to so like say with you with the whole metabolic testing obviously like it's something that's it's obviously something that's that's different it's unique i suppose there isn't many out there now i suppose but where did you how did you get into that sort of space what was the the thing that made you go into that line of work mm, yeah it's a good question because it i often get asked that i have to get asked that all the time about what got me into metabolic testing and people don't even really know what it is in the first place but mm-hmm. when i was in when i was in UL I always wanted to go down the nutrition route when it came to my actual career I always knew that at the back of my head I didn't want to be a personal trainer I never wanted to own a gym or anything like that I always wanted to go down the nutrition route ideally around the performance space so when I was in UL one day I spotted online that there was a guy over in England his name was Scott Robinson and he was doing this metabolic testing and I saw people running on the treadmill with a mask on their face and he was doing it with some like F1 drivers and some really famous boxers and Premier League footballers where he was getting their metabolism tested and I was like wow that's that's really really cool and then like that day I just kind of made the decision that I wanted to be the first person to bring that service to the west of Ireland and like I got just completely obsessed with it I used to have like a screensaver on my laptop in college of people doing metabolic testing. And every day I'd be trying to look up different ways to do it. How do I go about starting the business and what do I actually need to get it done? So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's kind of how I started. And the, the obsession started probably six years ago, really seven years ago, I'd say. And for anyone then, like, I suppose metabolic tests and probably a lot of people are probably like, what the hell is metabolic tests? And obviously people have some idea that it's to do with your metabolism, but like, how would you just briefly describe like what is metabolic testing? Uh, so there's two kind of primary tests that you would run when under the umbrella of metabolic testing, I suppose there's your resting metabolic rate test, which would kind of be the more common one where it relates mm-hmm. to losing body fat and understanding your metabolism and your calories and stuff. And that's just like a 15 minute, very non-invasive test where you just breathe into a mask And essentially what it's doing is it's measuring the amount of oxygen that you take in versus the amount of carbon dioxide that you blow out off the back of that. Then we can determine 
how many calories that your body is utilizing at rest. And I know you're aware, like your, your resting metabolic rate value, you know, can be anywhere from 60 to kind of 70% of the total amount of calories you burn on a daily basis. Yeah. So by understanding that number and getting that value, we can make a really fair idea around how many calories somebody needs to consume on a daily basis to achieve a result, be that around fat loss, performance, or muscle building. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's a really important one. Then the VO2 max test is a kind of the gold standard in fitness testing where you jump up on a treadmill, you've got the mask on your face. I'm sure some of your listeners have, have seen it before and on things yeah, like yeah. operation transformation and all that. And you just run on the treadmill uh, to essential failure and it gives us your VO2 max value, which is just a number um, that we use. And we can determine loads of different things off the back of that result, but that would be more from a performance aspect. Performance aspect, yeah. And like you mentioned there, just for anyone like, listen there in regards to like your rest and metabolic rate, you mentioned there like how much of it that it actually like makes up in your total daily energy expenditure. I think like, let's say with social media and just, I suppose general day to day life, many people are always in the mindset of oftentimes feeling like they need to earn food where it's like, I need to do this to earn this or to, to burn this off where when you think about it, most of the, like a large majority, a large amount of the calories that you burn every single day is actually already done for you. And that is mainly based on, it's mainly based on your overall, I suppose, body mass and that. So for you, let's say from, uh, from working with different people, how, how much of a range do you see of, right? Let's say you have someone who is six foot tall. We'll keep it very simple. Six foot tall, both 80 kg, for example. How much of a range can you see in a difference from them two identical people to in regards to their resting metabolic rate, the amount of calories that they burn at rest while literally just being alive? And just to kind of make that clear, this number is basically to keep your organs functioning, keep you doing your, 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 your body taking over, we'll call it. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's funny if somebody has no ailments or issues around thyroid function or, yeah. you know, PCOS or anything like that, the majority of people that I get into the clinic that are around that demographic have a pretty solid resting metabolic rate and their metabolism yeah. is actually in a good spot. It's funny. I literally just had somebody into, into the clinic this evening and it was a couple and she was talking about her metabolism and that she had been to a, a nutritionist recently, a, a quite well-known nutritionist, to be honest. And this nutritionist, very, very, very well regarded, just put her on 1500 calories straight off the bat. Didn't talk to her about what weight she was, you know, how much activity she needed to do. Just said, there's your diet plan, 1500 calories and away you go. She came into me. And I tested her metabolism and her resting metabolic rate was, it was 1,800 calories. And she thought straight away, okay, she's coming into the menopause phase. The, the biggest thing that she thinks about is all the stuff she hears from GPs and people on social media saying, the minute you start to hit menopause, your metabolism starts to slow down. So annoying. You know? Drives me nuts. It's so annoying. But she got the peace of mind today from the results of the test to say, right, well, this is actually the amount of energy my body is burning. So if I'm consuming way less than even that, then I'm under fueling and I'm going to start to feel shit. I'm going to start to restrict my diet. And then I'm going to become in this massive, like real yo-yo dieting loop that people tend to find themselves in all the time. That's the thing. And like for people listening there, right? That So she was on 1500 calories. She was attempting to eat 1500 calories, but the test 
literally showed and it's a it is a very very accurate test this just drives home and gives complete and utter clarity i suppose that this lady was burning i think what's the 1800 calories literally at rest so therefore then you have your neat your daily movement to throw on top of that so all your movement your fidgeting blinking your steps your walking your fucking thinking <laughs> then you have let's say a digestion of food and then you have your actual soul focus exercise to add all on top of that 1800 calories and it's from there then your td that you get your deficit from so she is she was trying to weigh way under eat like basically and like what's going to happen there is like you're going to have massive dips in energy you're not even going to be able to think correctly you're probably going to start obviously you're in restri extreme restriction hunger rises up and oftentimes then what can happen is you're in this kind of restrict overeating cycle so it's like it's just this continuous loop all of the time whereas if you just get that moderate deficit for yourself you can actually be more adherent actually fuel your body and can be can be consistent and, and way more consistent on a week-to-week -week basis yeah, she lasted two weeks before she was diving headfirst into the sweet press. Exactly, exactly. So this lady was eating that amount of calories, but then overall averages were gone way up because she simply couldn't couldn't adhere to it. And I think, oh Jesus, one thing online is the the whole message around the likes of, let's say, as you get a little bit older, oftentimes many people think things just shut off. And it's not the case. There can be over time that slight, uh, like as you get into, let's say you're into your, I suppose, 60s, that slight down regulation overall metabolism. There, there can be the little bit. Of, it's oft, oftentimes like it's it's mainly like your lifestyle things that take uh, take a hit, like stress gets higher. You probably have different priorities and therefore you're probably not maybe expending as much, but your body doesn't just break. Your body doesn't just shut down. And I think that's really important for anyone who is at that point of, I'm fecked. There's no hope now. Menopause is struck. That's it. Where oftentimes you just need to maybe flip your expectations to a little bit, maybe steadier progress and, and, and start just being a little bit sounded yourself and understand that right there, you have more priorities now and it isn't as easy. Like the, there's many things that's affecting like the equation of overall energy balance, but you're not broken. And there's no better feeling when you see someone who was in that mindset. I had a lady who just did a you, you might have saw or you might not but did a video testimonial there going back uh probably three weeks ago and she just said in it i was in my 40s i thought that was it age that's why i'm not losing weight and it, it wasn't the case and now she has that clarity that jesus you know what i'm not broken i'm so far from it you know it's it's great to see isn't it absolutely and it definitely is a generational thing for sure she was in this proverbial loop of just yo-yo dieting all the time. But also what she mentioned to me was that she was getting so much information online and so many different conflicting yeah. kind of pieces of information, people saying different things. You need to eat this amount. You need to eat that amount. Even GPs will talk about menopause and they'll kind of, you know, paint menopause as a really bad picture for people. But as you said earlier on, in terms of the rate of your metabolism, what is it? I think the data it says 1% a year after the age of 60 is the rate gotcha. of decline, which is absolutely nothing. nothing. So hitting <laughs> menopause doesn't mean that your metabolism slows down. It means that there's other lifestyle factors that will happen that will mean that your overall output is going to reduce. Exactly. Exactly. So and, and, and when someone thinks about that, is that right? Let's say when you're in your 20s. You probably were maybe playing a bit more sport. You were probably had less stressors. You were probably, yeah, it was all them things. So like your 
output is gone down, but also what's coming in. There might be maybe a little bit of stress eating, maybe a bit of comfort eating because you're like, you know what? I need a break from the kids from work. And oftentimes we can just link in that little bit more to to kind of food as a little bit of a, I suppose, uh, a little bit of a coping mechanism, I suppose. Um, Say then, Oshin, like in regards to someone gets that, uh, ju- just to, in regards to like weight loss, right? What are you seeing, let's say, in regards to numbers as someone is losing weight? As someone's losing weight, how much of like a decline do you see in overall like metabolism as a person is, 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 is dropping body fat? Like, you know what I mean? From the point of, okay, I'm after starting a diet, we know that like over time metabolism will downregulate that small little bit. Obviously it's going to be different from everyone. There'll be the slight downregulation in your overall BMR because you're becoming a smaller person, you're neat or whatever. But how much of downregulation do you see from, from let's say a person losing, we'll call it just 10 pound, for example, what sort of a downregulation do you see? Mm, yeah, that's a great question. Um, it, it really depends on depends. what level of exercise that they're doing at the time, because you know yourself, um, like uh, muscle will use more energy than fat. Yeah. So if we're training and we're resistance training properly and we're eating adequate protein and we're dropping body fat, but we're increasing muscle mass, then you might actually see your resting metabolic rate increase. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you might yeah. actually see your body using more energy at rest. Okay. Mm-hmm. So your output is higher. Your, your actual ability to use energy is more efficient. But when it comes to fat loss, you're probably, you could be looking at Evan only about a hundred calories in the difference, yeah. if even, you know, so it's nothing drastic whatsoever. That's the thing. And like, it's another thing. Oftentimes we will hear the case of many people like will sometimes go against fat loss and go against weight loss when they're like anti-weight loss or anti-fat loss, which kind of drives me crazy. And it's like, you can't, you shouldn't go into a calorie, right? You shouldn't go into a calorie deficit. You're going to damage your metabolism and all this sort of rubbish where it's like, right. Okay. If a person loses weight, how else do you expect them to lose weight basically? Because it's a necessity. And oftentimes there'll be buzzwords thrown around that you're, your your metabolism has crashed as you're as you're losing weight and it's so many buzzwords and it's so confusing for it's so confusing for people like it's so confusing for people and uh i think like the what you're doing is it can really give that kind of clarity i suppose can't it hack your metabolism is one i always love to see (laughs) yeah yeah hack your metabolism metabolism. go on tell me what you mean by that it's great i love reading through some of the comments and some of those posts when you know, you have a seven day juice cleanse. This is how we're going to lose 10 pounds. And this is how we're going to increase your metabolism and, you know, make you make you burn calories quicker. You got to drink turmeric for seven days and like apple cider vinegar. And then off the back of that, then your metabolism is going to be increased. and You're going to lose X amount of weight. I think it's so funny to see that stuff. But unfortunately, people are still buying into that, you know? Yeah. And like, there's very little in regards to anyone's probably listening here, like, and often they're probably in their, in their head, they're like, but how do I increase my metabolism? The reality of it is increasing your metabolism. There's your BMR, like let's say your, your, your BMR, there's very little you can do about it. That's based on, 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 on you as a whole, as, as you are at that current moment, obviously, as you maybe put on a little bit of muscle mass over the course of years, that will slightly increase and put on body weight, that'll increase that a little bit. But then it's just things like trying to be a little bit more active in your day-to-day life, trying to eat a little bit more protein, trying to, and that, and they're kind of, the, they're the main things to be totally honest, aren't they? Like, that's just the reality. There's no, 
there's no magical thing that you can take that's going to boost your metabolism. It's not that. It's like looking at your overall lifestyle as a whole and doing the basics consistently. And that's what's going to drive results. Mm, I think hydration and, and sleep are really yeah. important ones where it relates to your metabolic rate for sure. And that's definitely an impact that can have negatively if you're not sleeping well you can see drastic changes in the rate of your metabolism over time in, yeah. in, in a bad way, you know? So that's something that needs to be really emphasized is the importance of sleep, as you know yourself for recovery and performance mm-hmm. and achievement and overall results. You mentioned as well earlier on about, um, about muscle mass and I suppose burn, burn a little bit more energy than fat tissue. Obviously they're both tissues. But I remember going back when I was in my racing days, I did a test in John Moore's University in Liverpool, metabolic test. And uh, at the time, what was I, if I'm correct in saying, I was like eight stone, eight, eight stone nine, if I'm correct in saying, I was like 16 or 17. And my resting metabolic rate was, what was it? My resting metabolic rate, if I'm not mistaken, was 13.45 or else 14.45. It's one of them two numbers anyway, which is mad. Like, And I, just out of curiosity, I said, you know what? I'll get a feckin' test flushing. And it is now up at 2,200 um, at like literally at rest, which is crazy to think of. And that's basically down for me from going from that weight up to what I am now. I'm not sure what I am in stone, but let's say sitting around 80 kg. So it's like probably good 25 kg, I'd say gained. And as a result of that weight gained, it's my body is naturally expending more energy to just literally be alive because I'm a bigger person. Um, And it's, it's mad, isn't it? When you think about that, like that's a drastic, drastic jump up. And that's just a prime example as to how your body is like clever, basically that, for me now, weight loss will be so much easier than when I was at that kind of like being that smaller person. My body's like, no, no, this is what you need. So in order for me to lose weight back then, I would need to go to crazy low calories. Whereas now I have so much more tissue on my body in that my body's uh, can, can, can lose weight an awful lot easier. That's a really, that's a really interesting one. I've never seen that much of a difference in a, in a resting metabolic rate value from person to person but it makes so much sense considering you've gained 25 kilos and like the majority (laughs) of that probably would have been muscle mass as well. You see, that's the thing. So Mm -hmm. for you to lose body fat at, you know, your eight stone eight or whatever, you genuinely probably would have had to consume around 1200 calories, 1300 calories. That's the thing. crazy. Uh, That that was depressing. That's the thing. Like that's the thing. And for anyone as well, right. One of the biggest things I find that people struggle with is knowing where to draw the line with weight loss. And let's just take the example of a small female who is 54 kg, for example. Oftentimes we're in this kind of society where it's like, I'm all I'm I want to lose another pound, another pound, another pound. And it's like, right, the reality of the situation here is that in order for us to go any lower we're going to need to go to lower calories. And it's like, you need to know where to draw the line to weigh up. Is this worth it? Where there's nothing that gives me more satisfaction when someone can literally be like, do you know what? I'm doing it weight loss. I actually want to put on a bit of muscle mass, put on a bit of strength, gain a bit of, do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's great to see. And I think, isn't it vital for if someone is in that kind of yo-yo diet and cycle, it's, a, it's such an, it's in a, such an important, I suppose, point to be like, right, let's finish. Let's focus on something new. 
Yeah, that's that's huge. And honestly, it's been a transition I've had with so many of my clients within the program mm-hmm. at the moment. I think everybody that comes into a program initially, you know, fat loss more than more often than not is probably their primary goal, you know. But we get them down to a position where they're happy with their weight. And I think there's always a pivot point there where you're like, right, let's try and switch your focus from fat loss to performance. And when you can be able to be in the position to do that as a coach for your client, it really unlocks like a new level of thinking for the client as well. Because then they're trying to start to think about stuff like, well, do you know what? Like, I never thought I could run a 5K. Never even thought about that. I never thought I could do a full push up or a pull up. I'd love to be able to maybe try and do that. And as a coach, then when you have the opportunity to do that with somebody, it really is so satisfying instead of just being calorie deficit, calorie deficit, calorie deficit all the time, it does have its place, but it does does, get watered down a lot. Like, yeah. And I definitely think it's so important to find that point and make that pivot quick before you start to get really sick of what you're doing. And I don't know, do, does the population as a whole understand that like, if you're constantly focusing on weight loss or focusing on being the calorie deficit that you're you're doing something wrong like you're you're not meant to be trying to constantly literally eat less calories than your body is expending on a daily basis like it is not good for brain function for for literally your your body function it's not good until you actually strategically start increasing your overall calorie intake and you actually have more consistent calories you will never realize how good it feels on a daily basis in your work in your performance, the gym, in your just your 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 thinking, when you're actually having that consistently more controlled amount of calories instead of being restricted and then boom overeating like that, it's it's when you break that cycle, it's it's savage. Like it's sad though, Evan, isn't it that mm-hmm. people will never understand that they don't have to be in a calorie deficit all the time, and they go through their whole life just trying to lose that little bit of weight, you know, just lose that little bit more in the belly, a little bit more down that little uh, spare tire. And they never really get the proper guidance and direction to actually push past that. It's sad to think. Fact. And like, it's, it wouldn't, it doesn't even have to be a person who's that overweight, to be honest. It can be a person who has a small little bit of body fat to lose. But when you're still in the mindset of weight loss just a little bit a little bit that's the exact same thing as having i don't know 20 pound to lose because you're still in the restrictive mindset that you cannot break um how for you right how would you how do you get someone how do you like i suppose many people fear the increase in calorie intake many people fear eating a little bit more food how do you guide a client or guide a guide a person to eat a little bit more food, changing goals and focusing performance goals. Because if you are someone who is in this diet and mindset for 20 years, and there's many people, 20, 30 years, I, I see like, do you know what I mean? Like the reality is there's a period of time where yes, you will need to get to a point where yes, you are actually satisfied with your overall um fat that's on your body and that, and maybe a deficit is needed for a period of time. But it's like, how do you make the switch for a client then if they are fearful of enjoying a bit more food and actually fuel themselves? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think uh, probably the most important thing is that they trust me as their coach. Yeah. And that's something I really try and communicate with them. 
you know, I've been around the block a few times, you know, I've done this process with so many people and it's worked. All I say is, look, you know, I know it can be quite difficult because you've been in the mindset of fat loss and restricting your calories for so many years. But can you just can you just give me a month? All right. Of, of following these principles and following this protocol. And let's just see how it goes. And 99 percent of the time they start to see massive increases in their overall energy productivity, their mood, their strength, their sleep improves. And because they're consuming more calories, it gives them opportunity to actually expend more energy on a day-to-day exactly. basis as well. So just because they've increased their calories, it ultimately means that they're burning more calories too, because they're lifting heavier. They're doing more in the gym. Their mood is their better. Needs. Everything is better. So they're being a little bit more active. They might be getting an extra thousand or 2000 steps each day because they just have more energy overall. So I think it's that really trying to educate them and communicate what that with them is huge. And you just have to really trust the process. But I can understand it's a it's a difficult, difficult kind of shift to make. And you were talking earlier on about like actually making that shift. And I was just thinking in my head, if you talk about women or men in their 40s, 50s, even 30s, like what had they got when it came to coaching 10, 15 years ago? Slimming world and Weight Watchers. Yeah, those two things. What are their primary focuses? Fat loss, fat loss, fat loss. Nothing else. So they don't mm-hmm. know any different. It it was either fat loss or it was fat gain. There was never a talk about about maintenance. And I am huge, and I'd say every single Zoom call that I have, let's say with 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 the with the community, it's like maintenance is always mentioned in some shape or form because. I'm sure you're the exact same. You always want someone to know that there is an end to weight loss, whether it's affecting years time, whether it's two years time, not that you should be constantly focused on weight loss for that period of time consistently, but knowing that there is an end, there is breaks that we can take. A break doesn't have to mean that you're going backwards in the other direction. There is a middle ground when it comes to, when it comes to maintenance and not many people are aware of that at all, to be honest. Mm. And when I, have calls with some people too or even talking about on social media when we talk about like a, a mesocycle or 12 month period mm-hmm. you shouldn't be in a deficit for 12 months you should no, have no, no, phases no, no. and people yeah. are like what's a phase so you <laughs> yeah. do like you know eight weeks at maintenance or whatever and you might do like six or eight weeks in a fat loss phase depending on where you're at mentally because where you're at in your head is the most important thing if you're not mm-hmm. fully invested in your deficit and you're not dedicated to it or disciplined towards what you're doing you might lose a couple of pounds and then you're kind of in a deficit and then you're, and you're, you're not, not really in a deficit yeah. and you're over and back for a couple of months. And then you're just, again, as I said, on this hamster wheel of trying to lose weight where you're good Monday to Thursday and then your Friday comes and you have an old takeaway. And then you're exactly. out with the lads and the girls <laughs> at the weekend. You're back into your deficit at the on Monday then. Like, it's just a disaster. But your mind is still deep in the deficit. And when that's in it, it's like, th- th- that's the issue. Whereas... When you can have these like maintenance periods, like strategically kind of planned in some shape or form, it just it's I think it's mainly the head, to be honest, because then you can be like, OK, I have six weeks here where I'm kind of going to be pushing progress. I'm going to make sure that I am adherent across my weekend, etc., because I know that there's my maintenance week is kind of coming here now. You know what I mean? Um, And I, I, I feel like they're a game changer for someone on like a long term weight loss journey and even someone knowing that life stress hits or let's say it's uh yeah let's say life stress hits some week or weekend that person can be like okay right i'm still in control i can just allow myself to have a bit more food here but in a controlled manner 
bring myself up to like a maintenance level instead of going back it i've gone over calories let's go ham on whatever it is you know yeah and look that's just basic human psychology even me and you me and you as coaches we like to know right okay i'm going into a fat loss phase here it's going to be four six eight twelve weeks whatever length of time you want it to be and i'm in it like i'm invested i'm going to get the job done i am quick and i'm out the gap then mm-hmm. You yeah. know, that's the best way to definitely approach them. But like you were talking there a second ago about giving people really the tools to be able to like, right, this is what you need to do. This is how you manage these life circumstances or this is how you manage going out at the weekend with your friends and having a few drinks and not feeling fucking guilty about it. Mm-hmm. Us as coaches, like it's our, it's our goal to be able to teach people and give people those tools. I think being in the position to be able to do that is really cool, especially when you get people coming back to you saying, you know, they might be on one of your calls and they might say to you in a check-in, geez, I was out with my friends there at the weekend and, you know, I was able to enjoy a meal and a couple of drinks and I never yeah. felt guilty about it. And that's the first time I've ever been able to do that. And you're just like, wow, that's class. It's the calmness, I think, around food. When people have that kind of more calmness around like a decision, um, be it if it's having a meal out or having a take or having a few drinks, instead of being, I've done it, God, fight or flight. It's like, uh, <laughs> I don't know how to yeah. kind of describe it, like you know, but that's the Throw kind the of baby out of bath water and then you're it. done, like you know. That's it. That's it. Um, just kind of push it on. One thing that I'm, I, I actually find interesting is as you have like let's say progressed right over the last what ten years, say how has your goals changed? Obviously, you had your son Killian. How has your goals changed from when you are? lunatic back when you are there 17 18 years of age <laughs> on to now what age are you 45 i'm t- 31 <laughs> <would you believe? laughs> how is so your my goals yeah, yeah um goals around like are your goals nutrition around and business, training i mean nutrition and training okay right yeah yeah good question so i was always just aesthetics i wanted to be shredded mm-hmm. I wanted to be the leanest person in the room and I would do whatever it took to got there. Like I used to go to a lot of festivals, still kind of do, but I always wanted to be shredded like, you know, for every single festival. So every single goal I ever had was always around aesthetics. I was playing a lot of sports at the time as well. So the cardio side of things was kind of looked after on that front, you know. Mm -hmm. But now my goals are around longevity and feeling good and having a healthy heart and being able to enjoy myself at the same time. So like, I don't really care about being shredded anymore. I want to look good. I want to be happy in my body. But for me to be able to have, you know, a healthy heart and to be able to show that through my VO2 max tests or whatever it might be, and be able to like, you know, just be happy and strong and lean and be able to run 5k or 10k if I wanted to. That's Mm -hmm. kind of where I want to be now. That's more of like a hybrid style, as opposed to just purely focusing on aesthetics and fat loss all the time which is what i was doing that's essential i think to get to that point and like you're probably a lot of people listening to this are probably people in their 30s 40s 50s and the reality is if you just ha- just having that goal of aesthetics it's like it's a sh- it's it's like a short-term kind of thing it's like there needs to be something something more and as you said there it's like i think in order to be consistent with nutrition training and keep things somewhat kind of on point consistently you need to you need to look at like right what is the real reason what's the big foundation and it is 
for your overall heart health, for your overall muscle mass, for your overall health in general, and to just simply feel good as a whole. I think like if people really deeply, deeply understood the benefits of resistance training um, and training as a whole that it has on their body, I think many more people would be making a big, big effort to, to, to put it into the week in some shape or form, two 30-minute sessions, whatever it is, the smallest amount makes a difference. That's the reality. Absolutely. It's huge. And I spent a lot of my time earlier days of my coaching life uh, coaching the older population, yeah. people in their 40s, 50s and 60s. And honestly, chalk and cheese compared to some of the older people I would have known that weren't going to the gym, you know, the way they held themselves, their posture, their mood, their skin, everything came back to like, right, they have a little bit more muscle mass. They have more protection for their bones. They're not breaking their bones as much. Their their posture is better. You know, posture can mean so much where it relates to, you know, your your voice, everything and anything, your eyes, everything and your quality of life. So I think anyone I ever coached that was in the older population or fell into that category was really strong, really happy and lived a longer life than, than, than other people, you know. It's until, isn't it, that you do it for a period of time that you never you never really feel the benefit. Like resistance training is very much delayed gratification. Many people, if they're just starting, it's like a little bit of a task. They're finding that it's very, very challenging. They're finding that maybe they're not lifting massive weight because obviously they're only starting, you know what I mean? But it's then when you start seeing that kind of progression, start seeing like it impacting your day-to-day life of you being able to get up easier off the couch, chase your young fella, chase your young young one, whatever it is, you know what I mean? It's them things that really, yeah, you want to be doing it for that you really will start noticing the 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 differences. And like, what do you think has been the kind of turning point for your different kind of outlook on it? Or was it just a natural thing? Because what I find personally for me, that's me at the moment. Like, obviously you want to look good, you want to feel good or whatever, but it's like, for me, it's like nearly stress management aspect is kind of what i do it for you know Mm, yeah i i think that's that that's really important obviously as as business owners we have to make sure that we're we're on the ball and we have a lot going on every single day we have to wear so many different hats we have to be you know a social media manager we have to be a coach we have to be a boyfriend girlfriend i have to be a father so Mm -hmm. you're trying to do so many different things across the day and it's so important to be able to have an outlet and the outlet for us is obviously exercising, but it's part of our identity too. So we don't even think about it. It's just yeah. part of our day. So we work our day around. It's not just like a chore. It's not just something that we do. We know that we're going to be training for the rest of our lives. That's yep. what we're trying to instill in our clients. You know, that's a really important part of it. When you start to get your clients to understand that they're training as part of their identity of who they actually are that's when you know that you're on the money and you've got somebody that's going to lead a healthy lifestyle even when they do leave your program. It's like, I am a person who trains. I am a person who eats well, where it's like, usually a person might be like, I am the yo-yo dieter. I am the person who hates the gym or hates running or whatever it is. And if you are saying that to yourself, that is the exact thing that's 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 going to happen realistically, isn't it? Um, I'm not a runner is always the biggest one. I was always used to always kind of say that as well, but it's just I suppose people's approach to take with running is just go hammer, go ham from the gate and blow up. Then after after hundred yards, you know, and whereas it's like if you meet yourself where you're at, you'll actually you'll actually be consistent with it. But say obviously you mentioned 
you mentioned Killian. Um, there's many people probably listen to this who've reached the point of let's say having a kid and fitness nutrition is that's probably the main point realistically where things can really kind of take a, a step a step backwards and and obviously like it's it's so easy happen like you know what I mean obviously I haven't gone through that myself but I'd like to think that I really understand how how normal that it is for it to happen like for you how how did you find it like let's say how do you find it as being a second parent basically like you know yeah, I, I actually find it pretty okay because I work around times that, you know, yeah. Killian is not here or if he's at school or whatever it might be. But definitely I coach a lot of parents, a lot of young parents. And mm-hmm. I was even having this very conversation with my brother on the phone like two or three days ago. He has a very high, very high pressure job in Sydney and he has two young kids and he's saying, yeah. I don't have time. I said, Evan, you do have time if you make time for it. So like, what do you need to do now to make your environment a place where you can train? And what he's after doing is he bought a squat rack for upstairs and he's doing his sessions in the house now in the morning time because the gym never opened on time. So I always get, I don't have time to exercise. You do have time to exercise. You're just not making it a priority. Mm -hmm. And I think just to kind of add on top of that, it's like, uh, it can be, a lot of people can be in the mindset of, I need to do this much in order for it to be actually beneficial. Whereas if you actually strip it back down, you might actually be someone here where training might be something that's right. You're just maybe not just there yet. It might be a case that someone needs to literally focus on more of their daily movement. But then it's like, right, can you maybe get two 30 minute resistance training sessions in? Can you maybe get a set of adjustable dumbbells, have them at home and that way set the day, set the time you're going to get it done. And it's it's likely going to be realistic for a lot of people um and that's from working with hundreds now at this stage you know what i mean it's like if you can actually plan it into your week but i think people need to know though really deep down the real benefits whereas if you're kind of doing something because mary said i should do this it's like not that much yeah. it's not strong enough isn't it not you need to know oh, my doctor really told why. me yeah my doctor, doctor told me to do this weight. Yeah, like that's not that's not a and that's kind of links back to why do you train? Why do you go to the gym? It's like having that kind of I suppose a, a deeper kind of reason, isn't it? And having a plan is probably the single most important thing. People yeah. that want to start exercising, oh, I'll go to the gym there now. And they go into the gym and they're standing there and they haven't a notion what to do. And they'll jump on one or two machines and then they'll head off or they'll just, they'll get freaked out by the weights machines and they'll just go over onto the treadmill and do half an hour in the treadmill, you know, where you can just do that walking outside. Literally, if you have something formulated where it's a plan tailored to your own ability, you have that plan, whatever time it takes to get it done, you can do it in your house or in the gym. But having that plan and being able to see the progression and the progress that you're making every single week is what draws you in. You're mm-hmm. saying, oh, feck it. Like I could lift X now last week. I know I'm doing this this week. So you can see yourself getting stronger. So having a plan off the, off the, from the get-go is definitely the biggest and most important thing for anybody that's starting on their fitness journey or even anyone that is currently like pretty advanced. Like we follow programs, you know? So like I'll be honest. we're following programs go on sorry just just on that like I've and I know you do you struggle sometimes as well is like 
like you would have said this before going back a few weeks ago where you're just you're feeling a little bit meh with your training and just kind of not there like and i think that's often important for people to know like even though this is our job like i don't wake up in the day and think that oh yay let's go to the gym like that's not the that's not the way i look at it you know what i mean it's like i try and find different ways to kind of spice it up and even just the other day i need to need to do it still like but there's like a semi-private kind of personal training slash strength kind of based classes that are proper like progression based classes like um like obviously there's there's plenty of them types of gyms at home where it's like where you're senior progression you're actually following a program but is in a in a class environment and i actually do think they're very very good to be honest where it's in the community aspect you have people around you the time is set for you to go and there's a bit of crack whereas if you can mix that bit of crack the bit of banter with your exercise your training it's like you you likely enjoy it an awful lot more because i know so many people now that have that hated training that have now gone to them types of gyms where they're actually you know they're looking forward to and they've 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 kind of become obsessed with it in a, in a way you know people who absolutely did not like the gym and isn't that why we emphasize the importance of communities within our Fact. fitness businesses like we're not doing it just like for no reason we're doing it because we know the benefit that a fitness community can have on somebody's life on the days that they're not feeling like going to the gym they might see something in the group it might just be a picture of somebody in the gym exactly. getting their steps in or something and they might be like oh feck well if they can do it then i can do it and it's just that little bit of inspiration little bit of push a little bit of motivation to go and get it done and a prime example like let's say i did a challenge this week in the in the community and i just put up a put up a post um i said do something that you've been putting off for the past however long something that you've been really really wanting to do but you just keep putting it off and like loads of people doing different things but let's say just for example the reason it's in my head is because it's all just before i jumped on the call here join the gym signed up for a year's membership picture of herself in the gym lifting weights like where that wouldn't probably have been done if maybe it wasn't in that environment, that kind of community aspect, you know what I mean? Um, so no, it's, it's, it's class to see there in that regard, isn't it? That's huge. And we've often talked about even me and you talking about what's that two minute task that you need to get done that you've been putting off for days or weeks. And both of us could just name it off the top of our head. It's like, I know, I know it's only going to take two minutes, but why am I getting it done? yeah 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 it's like it's the kind of regret yeah it's just the the procrastination aspect do you how is your whole i suppose how's your training going now obviously as you were saying going back a couple of months ago you were just feeling a little bit meh and like we all feel like that to be honest how did you get yourself out of that rut like how did you give yourself a kick up the earth <laughs> as the there's a famous coach i don't know if you know him his name is dan john he's written books. yeah, yeah. he's a big strong coach he says you will you will you will dread or not enjoy at least one out of three sessions that you do so like if you actually take that and put it into perspective one out of three sessions that's one session every three days let's say you do three sessions across a week so one session a week that's 52 sessions in the year that you're going to absolutely dread doing so if you didn't do those sessions then you're going to be so far behind you know there's always going to be days you don't want to go to the gym. And I think for me, it's like a case of Oshin, you just need to get it done. You know the benefits it has. You know how it makes exactly. you feel. And you know how satisfied you feel after getting a session done. And it's honestly, I know it sounds cliche, 
but it's the sessions that you do not want to do that you get done that are always the most satisfying. 100%. And like, I think people will know that we're not like the diehard personal trainers. Like you just, just do it. Cop on, stop making excuses. That's not by any means what we're saying at all, but it's a case that there will be a lot of times where you're just not motivated. And there's, it's, as you said, if you don't do them once, you're leaving an awful lot on the table. But in saying that as well, you're, you, you, you're, you can change as in, there's times in the year where you will be more optimal with gym, with workouts, etc. Like there's times in the year where I'll, I will just go through the motions. Like I will probably change up my sessions to be 30 minutes long. I'll probably do two, two to three supersets say, and it'll just keep me ticking because there's times where your priorities can change a bit. Like as in during the summer for me, it was kind of like fairly kind of mental in that. And my gym sessions three a week, 30 minutes long and I this is literally my career like you know what I mean so that might sound mad to someone because people think that I would be there five days a week and now currently yes that's what I actually am doing because I'm I'm, I'm able to kind of do that now and I'm enjoying it but if you are someone who really really isn't enjoying it change it bring down the barrier that small little bit for yourself and stop thinking that you need to do a hundred out of a hundred like bring it down to to 50 you know what I mean or whatever way you want to word that no that's that's a really good point and I've definitely been you know gone through phases where I just haven't had the grow for the gym you know and I've mm-hmm. had to really pull myself to the gym some of the days and it could be something as small as like you know just maybe bringing somebody with you or going to the gym at a different time or maybe switching up your program a little bit to add a little bit of spice into spice. it or something mm-hmm. like what I'm doing at the moment around the high rock style stuff you know that's that competition is next week. I'll what be really honest, Evan. I hate the I hate the training like yeah, I don't yeah. enjoy the training like I, know, I like I the know. running part, but I don't like burpees like who likes burpees like do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm just I'm just getting it done, but I'm really looking forward to high rocks being over so I can start doing training that I actually enjoy doing. You know? Yeah. Because reality is you wouldn't that's just a prime example. How long do you think you'd stay going with this? this type of style of training and it's the exact same for someone who might actually hate going to the gym like someone might hate resistance training so therefore that person needs to try and find something different do you know what i mean even if it is more optimal you know i think to be honest the most optimal thing is something that you can be consistent with long term and that's literally a prime example because oshin would not stick to doing burpees for too long would you (laughs) <laughs> oh absolutely not and it doesn't have to be running or weight training yeah, it could yeah. be pilates it could be Fact. yoga it could be lo- the so- boxing it could be so many Anything. different t- types of exercise that you can do but just find what you love doing and do it consistently and you're going to get a feckin result that's it that's it something i'm going to kind of just bring out that i'm actually interested i actually sometimes when you know someone it's kind of tricky to to, to know kind of like what direction to take because I know you feckin' too well, but actually something that I'm not, just kind of bouncing in my head, I like to bring in the aspect of the business kind of aspect or like how you've got into EMP. Where was it, right? When did you make the the decision to say, do you know what, I'm going out on my own? You were with, um obviously you were in Doc Fitness for ages and I remember I used to always be seeing you because one thing actually I, I used to always notice about you, your personality used to really bring across in the... You used to do like content, video content of that, didn't you? And you, yeah. you were the type of fella where 
the way the, my thought for you is the fella that just takes the piss the whole time. I think that actually, and that is fucking, that's that's a fact. Like, <laughs> how did yeah, you? You're pretty really accurate with that. Yeah, yeah. How did you make the decision of jumping over into your own um your own business? Because obviously, I can relate. I just kind of find it interesting, to be honest. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a good question. I think obviously, like as I said earlier on in the podcast nutrition was always the route that I wanted to go I just didn't know how to actually Mm -hmm. you know create a life and a career around that okay so you know after when I was working in doc fitness I was doing my master's at part-time at the time and I felt that before I started EMP and started doing the metabolic testing side of things I thought to myself right well metabolic testing is very science-based it's very science-focused I had this limiting belief that nobody was going to listen to me unless I had MSC in front of my name. Okay. Okay. So I said, right. Once I get the master's. So I went to do my master's in Ulster university, got my master's in sports nutrition. And then I said, okay, now I can set up my business. And I did. It's mad that you waited till like you, you really had it ingrained in your head that no, I can't without this. I think though, personally, the line of work, the, whole metabolic testing that I think it is uh it was a little bit different where it's because it, it, it is kind of like the testing aspect science aspect it's just kind of that little bit more kind of technical I suppose you know yeah and to be honest like for performance nutrition the route I I, I kind of go down like you do to get recognized and to get like good jobs yeah. with high level athletes and you know like professional teams and stuff you do need to have recognition from the sports and exercise nutrition register and the british dietetics association and stuff like that that's what they look for when they look for people when they're looking for jobs so like you really do need the masters i suppose i got the masters and it just complemented the fact that i was doing the metabolic testing at the same time as well you know and i definitely think it was a bit of a draw for people to say right well i'm going to take this lad serious now because he has a master's yeah yeah which in a way is kind of ridiculous but that's how i felt and i think it did kind of push the business for, forward a little bit quicker to be honest you know has mm-hmm. been positive no that's class like and then uh, where i guarantee you probably though your main learnings have been with people because i know for a fact it's from working with people and getting people results that's where you really learn i find one thing that i that i've been working way more on is actually the mindset human psychology why is that person thinking like that why is that i think that is in my opinion which sounds crazy but is one of the most important parts of my job in order to get a person result the nutrition knowledge that's that's fine that's there it's like how can i get this person to stick to this that's kind of the from once i started when I when I first started, I didn't think that was going to be the biggest thing. And um, whenever I open, let's say daily fitness, but it's like that has been by far the biggest thing, to be honest. Behavior, it's I suppose, human behavior. Definitely the single most important thing. I went down the rabbit hole too, Evan, of looking at like becoming like looking at counseling courses and everything at one stage there, because I've obviously been in the game for 14, 15 years, you know. So yeah, I think a lot of the learning the around like skin in the game boy <laughs> a lot of the learning around the human psychology and all that kind of stuff has come from me talking to literally thousands of yeah. people and yeah. having so many case studies of this is the way and this is the approach i took with this person and it didn't work and then you're you know 
you're fine tuning things and you're seeing that the different personality types and how to communicate with those people specifically. Some people like to be communicated in a way that's direct, you know, yeah. whereas some people you need to be a little bit more compassionate, a little bit more empathetic, and you need to come at it them in a different way or else they're just going to shut you off, be completely reserved off the back of that. And other people then just like to be told, here's the plan. This is what I do. Get it done. Yeah. You know, yeah. so the, there's so many different types and different ways that you communicate with people. So you have to be very careful. But definitely 99% of the stuff I've learned has been dealing with actual human beings. Yeah, no, 100%. And did you find it? I remember like when I first opened the gym or whatever, it's 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 amazing what, what, what happens. Like, But for me, it was just like a part-time gig. It was literally just a part-time gig because I just wanted to do something I enjoyed. I didn't want to, while I was doing engineering in college, I was like, I just I didn't want to do a normal part-time job whatever I just said fuck it I'm just going to do this like and but I like I had no idea whether I was going to get a client or what was going to happen to be honest how were you like before you started were you kind of in the massive unknown because geez I remember that was that was a major major unknown for me yeah I can imagine man to be honest I wasn't because obviously I've been I was working in Galway in different yeah. gyms around Galway and personal training in Galway for 10 years. So I knew the minute I started EMP, I had a massive network of people that I could kind of reach out to. So I had clients the minute I opened my doors, I had clients that I could take on and people that wanted to come working with me mm -hmm. just from dealing with them over years and years. But honestly, I can I can completely uh, relate and I, I sympathize with you for having those feelings, but sure. Look at look at where it you worked. are now. It worked out. It worked out. Thank God. <laughs> but um, what is the crack going forward? Like as in with EMP, what is the the plans? Like where is the next stage, or is it a case of just keep progressing it the way it is? Obviously, you've Darren with you now, don't you? And mm -hmm. what's yeah, the so what's the plans? I think you know me and Darren are a very good team. We work really well together. I think makes some difference, doesn't it? Compared to it makes on your such own. a difference, Evan. Honestly, like it's 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 been everything to me, and I think for us, it's really trying to dial in the type of client that we really want to work with, and make sure that everybody is very clear on that's EMP, that's the type of person and client that they work with, and mm -hmm. really lean into that. I think we're probably a little bit too dynamic at the moment in terms of the people that we're working mm -hmm. with, and that's fine. You know, that's okay, but to really grow exponentially and be true to the message that we're trying to deliver we need to be working with a very specific type of person and the same kind of person across the board you know so i think next year it's going to be really dialing that in and yeah we want to work with we want to work with definitely get over a thousand transformations next year like that would be kind of a massive goal for us class class no and like i just found obviously like you've taken on Darren then I've let's say coaches now as well but it's amazing how much more enjoyable the job is when you can bounce things off people because I suppose being in the whole online space like you're on your own the whole time you're absolutely in your own head like we've had some mad old conversations like we're we're just like we've known us right. yeah we're, <laughs> we're just trying to trying to understand our brain I suppose whereas like when you're working with people like even what you deliver is just so much more so much more efficient because if you're not off it's not coming from a burnt mind like you know it's a lonely place to be to be honest Evan like it is a lonely place to be being a business owner especially at what we're doing because you know there's not many people around us obviously or friends that we've that we've kind of 
you know, made friends with through coaching businesses and mentorships and all that kind of stuff. But like, if you don't have anybody by your side that you can bounce ideas off, it is a lonely place. Like, you know, your clients expect mm-hmm. you sometimes to be, you know, there for them at the Eleven o'clock at night and you can find yourself sometimes getting a little bit burnt out and i suppose this applies to everybody listening and it's like just trying to f- have that self-awareness to know when it's time to you know maybe delegate something else or take a little yeah. bit of a step back and take some time off you know that's really important but having somebody there to bounce ideas off and just talk about life like being able to chat to you about certain things has been huge for me over the last way off the shoulders and that I, I think that applies for everything. I think the most powerful thing is is talking. And like mm-hmm. it's mad when you start talking, you start answering your own questions. You know what I mean? I found that and yeah. I have with with whether it was business or whether it was just my own head in general, you know what I mean? It's like when you do start talking, it's like things make so much more sense. Like Yeah, and but, uh, one little tiny question can open yeah. a whole kind oh, of worm. an absolute worm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, then you're going on for two hours then. Yeah. No, but Oshin, like Anna, that that I actually really enjoyed that to be honest. Hopefully people got plenty of value from it. Where can people find you? Where can people work with you? What is the crack there in that regard? So I have a website, it's www.emp.ie and my Instagram handle is emp.ie, very original. Um yeah, so base uh, Instagram and, and my website are, are are the two kind of main areas that you'll find me, but primarily Instagram is where you're gonna find me talking absolute rubbish on my stories every day. <laughs> well Shane, thanks a million. Appreciate it. Thanks, Evan. Pleasure.